This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Let's remind the Jedi what happens when the weak seek to match metal with the Dark Lords of the Sith. Sir, from the surviving officer's reports, Lord Revan has gone down with the ship. He's still alive. everyone welcome back to uh i guess this is an inspired a galaxy uh episode kind of in a way right because uh inspired a galaxy was born of things that inspired george lucas and one of the things that really inspired george lucas was history and this pursuit of knowledge um and these crazy kind of serial adventures and all of that culminated into what we now know is indiana jones uh so we figured what better time to be talking about uh indiana jones the character the movies uh the games all of that stuff uh, because we're getting ready for the fifth installment. Uh, Cassia, I know you're pretty excited about the fifth installment of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, that's actually why we released the audio drama on June 23rd, so it wouldn't interfere with people seeing Dial of Destiny on June 30th. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's been a fifth Indiana Jones in the works for a long time. Uh, we're uh, finally getting it. It's just coming out uh, in about five days from us recording this. Um, this episode is going to come out uh, kind of to coincide with that. And then probably on our Patreon um, and maybe then to the main feed, we'll uh, be doing uh, kind of a review of Dial of Destiny after we've both had a chance to see it. But um, I know that you, uh, you have no patience at all. Uh, you just told me uh, you can't wait to get out and see it. You're actually seeing it at like a like a sneak preview the day before is that right yeah on the 29th i'm actually gonna see it with coden who was the first co-host of this podcast so yeah it'll be fun to kind of dip my toes back into the lucas film realm of things yeah that's right yeah we haven't uh, uh gotten in any new uh, Lucasfilm uh, film projects for a while, so it's going to be uh, fun to see that logo show up there on the uh, big screen uh, once again and check back in with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, but before we do that, it's important to go back to kind of where all of this story uh, got started and talk about the films that led us up to where we are now. And that, of course, was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark being kind of the first installment here of our Indiana Jones uh, Chronicles, uh, more or less. So, you know, the story has it as uh, George Lucas makes Star Wars, thinks it's going to be this massive failure. Uh, so him and his buddy Steven Spielberg go out of town, uh, go to Hawaii to not listen to the, you know, all the newspapers that were going to be like, the Star Wars movie was the biggest flop of all time. Uh, they didn't want to hear any of that. They wanted to go to the beach and hang out and, uh, you know, just be friends and chat about stuff and the things that they liked. And apparently this conversation came up about uh, James Bond and this character idea that George Lucas had, um, you know, for this this character who would go on to become... Indiana Jones, and they kind of made, you know, kind of this this little friendly uh, pact right then and there to, you know, one day, you know, after Star Wars is done, after Jaws is done, we'll go back and we'll make that little film uh, about Indiana Jones. And that's what they did in 1981. Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, comes out, uh, and it uh, it takes over. It takes the world by storm. Uh, this movie is great. It does all sorts of uh, gangbusters at the box office. It is the winner of four Academy Awards, uh, which is pretty great. It was nominated for 
for nine Academy Awards, and it won uh, four of those. So it won for Best Art Direction and Set Decoration. It won for Best Sound. It won for Best Film Editing. It won for uh, Best Visual Effects. Uh, and it won for it won a special achievement award then uh, for Ben Burt for uh, sound effects editing. So uh, this movie was a pretty big deal and it was very fun. Um, so Cassia, do you remember seeing uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time? Was this something that you saw? You know, back you know we as a as a little kid or is uh, Indiana Jones a newer franchise for you? I know you're catching up like on on James Bond. You know, one of the inspirations for this. Uh, what about Indiana Jones? So I was always curious about Indiana Jones, but. At the age I was, uh, when I was at my aunt and uncle's, they're like, uh, you're not quite old enough for those yet. So I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll get into Star Wars, loved it. It was kind of like a question mark, you know? And then um, I think the first time I saw it was at a dentist's office and the dentist is like, maybe we will uh, fast forward this part. And it's like, looking back on it, like, I don't know why they fast-forwarded when uh, Indy, Anna, and Marion were on the boat, you know? Because mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. really happens, you know? Like, he just falls asleep before anything can happen, but... True, um, true. Yeah, and then when was it that the DVD uh, trilogy was released with all the bonus features? Yeah, I actually have that box set. I should uh, pull it out to see exactly when that came out. Um, I think that it came out right around uh, probably the year 2000, if I, if memory serves me correct. But yeah, there was this uh, box set of, you know, kind of that original trilogy of, of films. And that, I think, it, at least to me, you know, who grew up seeing these, um, you know, either on like a VHS rental or... Um, you know, seeing them on television, uh, that box set was really kind of what cemented me as a fan of Indiana Jones there as kind of a late teenager, I guess. Yeah, so I was introduced to Indiana Jones a little bit later than Star Wars, but in a way it kind of like added to the allure, I guess, you know, it's like this is Star Wars is cooler, older sibling or older cousin, you know, and um it's still very, you know, like Lucasfilm. So I was like, oh, th- these are so much fun. It was fun to kind of watch them. And I don't know, like, I, I didn't watch, like, a lot of kind of the bigger movies growing up. So I felt, like, kind of cool. And, like, one of my cousins was like, are they going to a bar after the movie's over? And, like, yeah. And I was like, I heard them swear. Like, that's, like, I what are you watching? And, like, it's Indiana Jones. <laughs> and... It just kind of funny stuff like that. And like, I, I felt like, oh, yeah, I'm so bad, you know, but like, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones, like loved the trilogy. And then um, the, uh, the fourth one ended up coming out like later when I was in high school. So, yeah, uh, it's just a fun franchise. I think like for me, like Star Wars comes first. I grew up with with Harry Potter, loved them and then. And then it's probably Indiana Jones. Awesome. Yeah, it's a very fun uh, series of films, and I'm excited to see what they uh, do with uh, Dial of Destiny and see, you know, if that opens more doors or closes more doors. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just excited for it, and I was excited to go back and rewatch uh, kind of the four films that got us to where we are now. So why don't we talk about uh, these movies a little bit? We're not going to go into, like, a crazy, like, uh, deep dive on these movies, but just kind of talk about them a little bit, you know, some of the things that we liked, you know, the themes, uh, kind of stuff like that. So let's get this started off uh, just like we did back in 1981 one with 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. So according to IMDb, uh, in 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Uh, yeah, those powers are pretty awesome. Uh, indeed, they will uh, melt your face uh, straight off. And this was the, the movie that got us started. Um, like I said, it was the winner of four Academy Awards. It was nominated for uh, five others, including uh, Best Picture. And uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark stands out on a lot of lists as, you know, kind of one of the, the pinnacles of like this action adventure uh, movie genre. Um, so what about Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Cassia? What stands out about this movie to you? Or uh, what kind of kind of themes or things do you like about this movie? Or uh, what makes Raiders of the Lost Ark so great? I think it's just kind of like the definitive action adventure movie like even though like i can be like oh i think these aspects didn't age so well like i don't think about them when i watch them and i'm just like this is casted directed written uh paced and shot so well like it's hard for me to kind of like see the mistakes and like if i see any i'm kind of just like entranced by the experience and a lot of um, creatives like M. Night Shyamalan, I think he has a poster of this as like in his office as like one of like his perfect films like he aspires to do. And mm -hmm. uh, I think this is actually like considered like Spielberg's like one of his favorite movies. Like he can like just watch it and like not think about like he worked on it. You know, he can just be entertained by it. Yeah, exactly. It is a very um, entertaining film. Uh, you get started there with that kind of big um, action set piece. You know, we mentioned that uh, kind of the one of the inspirations for this was James Bond and kind of that, you know, kind of initial like action set piece that sets kind of the tone for the movie and the tone of, you know, who James Bond was going to be. Uh, you know, it's very much the same here as we get uh, Indiana Jones. He's going through this temple trying to uh, to get this um, this, uh, you know, golden golden idol uh from this thing and then you get the uh kind of that crazy uh little ball that drops down and chases him out of there it's it's kind of this fun uh kind of chase adventure and then you know we see indiana jones as the professor but you know really he has uh his heart and in, in you know kind of more of this adventure and then uh off in the uh pursuits of the ark of the covenants and uh you know we catch up with uh with this old flame uh marion who's played by Carrie Allen. Yeah, Karen Allen, that's right. Um you ah. know, catches up catches up with her um in Nepal there at this uh this bar and they're off on their adventure, you know, as a, a race against the clock, uh, more or less uh, against the Nazis to uh get this uh prize that they're seeking, the Ark of the Covenant. Um I, re I really like it. I mean it's it's a fun um adventure film. I like the kind of the the settings that they're they're going through like these dig sites. Um you know, we talked about it a lot uh Cassia and kind of our our co-tour um, adaptation stuff and the sections on Corbon. We always, you know, mention uh, Indiana Jones kind of in these sections because we like kind of this this fun, um, you know, al almost campy in a way, but kind of kind of swashbuckling uh, sort of action uh, sequences that you're getting here with Indiana Jones and uh, you know, kind of the kind of the pitfalls and how he keeps kind of finding himself through happenstance. Uh, you know, kind of kind of the victory he keeps kind of stumbling from one mess into the next. And I always kind of like that. I think there's something very relatable about Indiana Jones uh, to people. Um, and I always kind of like that, even like as a little kid uh, growing up. But and then you get the fun like treasure hunting stuff, right? They go down, they have the, mm -hmm. the staff of raw. They're looking at the at the map and trying to find where this thing is. And they're, you know, trying to dig it up out of the earth and stuff. And uh, it's really fun and a genre that we don't uh, see a lot of, you know, archaeology. 
uh, type of thing. So I think that it's fun in that sense, too. Yeah, and with KOTOR, like, we kind of talked about the search for the star map is is kind of like a Indiana Jones quest, so it's very much kind of like um, that Lucasfilm uh, DNA going on. And, yeah, it'd be f kind of fun if it were ever adapted to kind of see that genre influence. But I actually have, like, the Hallmark uh, Staff of Raw Perpetual Calendar and... Nice. I kind of wanted some, like, a calendar, like, I wouldn't have to, like, hang up on a wall uh, if you have, like, limited space, you know, and rather than getting a new calendar each year, it's like, you can, you kind of just move it each day, it's kind of more like, I don't know, it, like, it, it's almost like a meditation on the days, like, it's intentional, you move it forward and stuff, and mm -hmm. uh, I love it, and I actually got my parents, because they're going to be visiting... Uh, Israel um, later this year and Jordan um, the hallmark it's inspired by the Ark of the Covenant with the two cherubim on top facing each other like from the Ark of the Covenant like it's a it's a photo frame so oh cool yeah yeah, that's awesome. Now, there's lots of really great, you know, kind of iconography. And of course, here in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you get uh, a couple of big ones right away for, you know, Indiana Jones, the character, you know, uh, between kind of that fedora uh, that he's wearing, the, the bullwhip that he is carrying around, um, obviously the Ark of the Covenant um, itself, which is... Um, you know, pretty, pretty symbolic and, and things. And, you know, you can go online and see all the little, uh, little hidden details on that. You got a little R2D2 and C3PO there on the arc and, and stuff, which is, which is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, this was, this was kind of this, this PG film. And, you know, despite, you know, Cassie not being able, uh, to watch the, uh, <laughs> the, the scene on the submarine, uh, where love, uh, is about, is about to, about to take place, uh, but doesn't, uh, it's, it's actually a very, very kind of touching, like intimate scene between Indiana Jones and, uh, Marion there i think um you know by and large this is just a this is just a very fun uh movie the the pacing for it is amazing um there's never like a second of raiders of the lost ark that feels like it's getting too long um it, it's cut you know pretty quick it's going from from kind of action to action to action to action you know all the way through to the end and um it's really kind kind of a, a masterpiece in that sense i think um and that's one of the reasons why i think that people uh really you know can still uh, appreciate it you know all these years on right you know uh you know, 40 what 42 years um on since this thing released you know people keep going back to it and pointing out um you know the way that it was made and uh how well it was put together yeah i think marcia lucas deserves more thanks and credit for improving this film and also the original star wars a new hope i mean she won an oscar i believe for editing a new hope but um, originally, uh, Marion wasn't in the ending and, it's, and she rightfully pointed out, like, people are going to wonder what happens to her and like what happens to the Ark of the Covenant. So she totally fixed the ending and, um, and also kind of throughout the, the movie, I think it has really good exposition because like he knows what he's talking about and he has to tell people who are kind of high up in the government so he's not talking down to them but he is an expert in his field you know i think it's one of the best exposition scenes in films personally absolutely it is and it's just a tale of this treasure hunt and but it still you know kind of has this core 
element of you know making these these characters that are interesting and you're kind of rooting for throughout right so you get um indiana jones obviously um you know as our as our main character here in marion um that we mentioned but you also get uh you know kind of the kind of the friends and allies of uh indiana jones in this that were introduced to in this film uh sala who's played by john reese davies and uh brody who's played by denholm elliott they're going to reprise their roles kind of later um in the in the uh, film franchise uh here as well and you know sala i think is going to be even back for the new one so pretty excited uh for that but yeah it's really just kind of these um this very lovable uh, kind of group of people that you're pulling for, you know, facing down, you know, the the ultimate, you know, evil, um, you know, embodied here um, by the the Nazis in the search of this uh, ancient, you know, all powerful uh, relic, um, and yeah, it, it's just it's great. I don't, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things to be said for Raiders of the Lost Ark, but basically, um, it's just a it's it's a really good movie. It's a, it's about perfect. Uh, for sure. And that was what got us kicked off. So um, any any final thoughts here on Raiders of the Lost Ark before we uh, take a little darker turn, Cassia? If you haven't seen it, it is on Disney Plus, I believe. That's right. Absolutely. So we've got uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark there in 1981. Uh, coming next, of course, you know, you can't have a film that's nominated for Best Picture that wins the box office and, you know, wins four Academy Awards without getting a follow-up. Uh, that's true today. That was true back in 1981. So fast forward to 1984, we have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So everyone was excited, of course, to get Indiana Jones back uh, on the big screen. Uh, people were excited to see what sort of adventure he was going to go on, right? Save the Ark of the Covenant. What do you got next? Uh, Indiana Jones. Well, as it turns out, we're going back in time because uh, George Lucas is uh, attached to this and uh, playing with different weird timelines is something that Mr. Lucas likes to do. Uh, see the Clone Wars, seeing uh, starting your movie franchise on uh, episode four, all those things. So we're going back to 1935. In 1935, Indiana Jones is tasked by Indian villagers with reclaiming a rock stolen from them by a secret cult beneath the catacombs of an ancient palace. Uh, yep, that's true. That's pretty vague, IMDb, but that's okay, that's okay. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It starts with a big, fantastical musical number, uh, mm -hmm. which is which is kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of, it's very, uh, I don't, I don't want to say that it's bad, because I don't think that it's bad, but it is a little jarring, I think. You go from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark to this, uh, this very flamboyant, uh, musical number, uh, Willie Scott, played by Kate Capshaw there, and then, uh, of course, we get Kehe Kwam playing short round in this one but indiana jones we're going from the desert to the jungle um and into into these temples for this one so uh what do you think about uh, temple of doom it's a little darker than the first installment uh cassia would you have seen this like the same time that you saw uh raiders of the lost ark was that all kind of lumped in together there or uh you know if they're cutting out the submarine scene for you then they're probably cutting all of this out i'm guessing <laughs> um well, that was when when I first saw it is when they kind of fast forward some stuff. But like when I got it on DVD, I pretty much like just watched it all. Um, so I mean, I, I I think I did get some warnings about like Temple of Doom being darker and scarier, but uh, maybe a lot of things went over my head as a kid. But um, kind of rewatching it now, I think this film is better than I remembered. I think this is like considered uh, the weakest of the original kind of like trilogy, um, but kind of rewatching it, I gave it four stars. Like I think it's better than I remembered, but it also has some worse aspects than I remembered. Mm -hmm. um, and like 
watching this after I watched all the James Bond films, I was like, um, well, the opening wasn't like one for one Bondian, you know, um, the opening number felt more like it. Uh, and I thought it was different and it was fun, uh, stylistically. And we got to see Indiana Jones rocking the white suit jacket with the red rose, which reminded me of Sean Connery. That's right. Yeah. It, uh, Reminds you of Sean Connery there. Uh, spoiler warning for our next installment, but yeah, definitely kind of kind of the same kind of thing, right? Another one of these little actiony kind of intros that kind of gets us thrust into the story and and off on this uh, kind of crazy um, adventure to uh, get these stones from this uh, weird group of people that are underneath of this temple, um, which uh, a temple of doom, uh, getting your getting your heart pulled out there uh, for sure. So yeah, this was a little bit darker. Um, it was rated PG. This came out in 1984. Um, this and Gremlins are uh, pretty much considered the two films that kind of created the PG-13 ranking. And actually, Steven yeah. Spielberg played a pretty big part in getting the PG-13, that rating, uh, put into place. You know, even even he uh, said, you know, this is probably a little uh, too dark for, you know, some kids. So maybe we need something, you know, between the PG and the R rating. So thus is born uh, the PG-13. So uh, directed uh, again here by Steven Spielberg. Um, I mentioned uh, Kate Capshaw and Kehe Kwan are in this one playing kind of the the helpers, uh, the the allies of Indiana Jones here in this film. And we're off on our way to, uh, yeah, to go check out these uh, stones at the Temple of Doom. Uh, two yeah. Oscar nominations here. One, one, uh, one for best effects, uh, visual effects. So Dennis Murin there. Um, and it was nominated for best original score for John Williams. Uh, did not win. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, the Indiana Jones theme uh, definitely has stood the test of time here. So this is, this is a little bit darker. It's a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more campy and a little bit more uh, flamboyant, especially the stuff with like Kate Capshaw, I think, um, here in this film, um, which I think could if you're if you're going to let something uh get to you about this movie uh it's probably that um but i i always kind of thought this was this was pretty fun i mean it has kind of the more um more like fun like centric bits you've got like the mine car kind of scene at the end you've got uh you know they're riding around on the elephants um you have all the stuff with like the creepy bugs uh so so that Aww. stuff's kind of all all fun and playful and and disgusting you know you have the like the big pit of the of the uh the snakes in the in the first film and this and this one it's going going to the bugs so i prefer snakes to bugs so uh that part always kind of grossed me out where they're reaching in uh through the door uh Aww. they have the very they have the very disturbing like dinner scene uh where they're like cutting open the, the, the i don't even want to talk about it. i don't know i don't even want to talk about it. uh just go watch the dinner scene or don't uh don't watch it close to your own uh, dinner it, you know? dinner for sure yeah exactly but uh i don't know this this one's pretty fun like i said it was a little campy um of the three this is the one that I, I probably liked the least even growing up and I would have seen these all about the same same time uh coming up but uh, certainly there's there's some fun elements to this one um that I like quite a bit it's it's definitely worthwhile and it's interesting you know kind of in in hindsight now it's not something that I ever would have thought of you know back when I was a kid watching these for the first time that this was actually a prequel <laughs> to the first one like I never yeah. even would have would have thought of that and I don't know how like widely you know, thought of that was by people, or if that was just something that people kind of worked out later. They're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense on that timeline. Um, 1935 takes place before <laughs> 1936. That's, what? 
That's right. Yeah, it's all crazy. It's all crazy. But um, but what do you think, Cassia? What kind of stands out about Temple of Doom or anything that you that you like or or don't like? You've just watched these all uh, pretty recently too. So what do you think about mm-hmm. the Temple of Doom here? I didn't appreciate Academy Award winner Kehei Kwan as short round as much as I should have back in the day. Uh, this is his debut, and he's amazing. I mean, he was in the Goonies and everything everywhere all everything everywhere all at once but i i just kind of wish like there had been more films between that because he is such a good actor you know and i do kind of wish that kehei kwan would have been in indiana jones 4 and the upcoming indiana jones 5 maybe there is a post credit scene i don't know about but We'll we'll figure that out when we get there. Um, some people think Willie Scott is annoying. Um, I think she's funny at times and she's annoying at times. But kind of rewatching it now, I'm like she's reacting a hundred percent like a normal person would react in that situation. <laughs> right. Like she's a performer, and then all of a sudden she's in a jungle and like having to fight <laughs> a cult, you know? And it's like what? Um, that's right. Yeah, everyone everyone thinks that they're Marion Ravenwood in those situations, but really, we're all Willie Scott. Yeah, um, and I I hear that like to do the bug scenes, like I think like uh, Kate Capshaw had to be like had to have like a tranquilizer to do that scene. I'm like, good for you for even doing it, because like I would read the script and then like bugs appear like in the <laughs> script. I would just like burn it and be like, okay, not doing that. Yeah. Um, I did kind of think that the Willie and Indiana Jones romance was kind of unnecessary and uninspired and like mm-hmm. kind of when you hear about the behind the scenes like Lucas was I think going through a divorce and Spielberg had gone through a breakup like they weren't in the best headspace so I think they kind of made it darker than uh, it really needed to be but Spielberg and Lucas have both, like, admitted the film was too dark and kind of, like, apologized for misrepresenting um, Hinduism in India. And actually, Mm -hmm. like, the Indian government banned this, so it's not actually filmed in India. uh, It was filmed in Sri Lanka. And, like, I know next to nothing about Hinduism, but, like, uh, from what I gathered, the thuggy cult was mostly the invention... Uh, of the British colonial regime, or at least a very intense exaggeration. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like probably the most stuck out to me when I was watching this one. Like, it's still entertaining, but um, it's not my first go-to Indiana Jones. Yeah, same for me. It's it's not my first go-to, but I I do think that this is still a really fun movie, and I think that it fits pretty well within to the uh, mythos of Indiana Jones and you know the stories that they were trying to tell through these films and then you know kind of what we got with the the comic books and young Indiana Jones and stuff like that I think that this all kind of fits together like in that same world and and I think that that's kind of interesting um in a way uh, to think about you know something you know as totally completely different as you know what we saw in the first one where it's still you know trying to keep kind of the same like bits of of levity but it's it's this much darker uh you know scarier 
uh, tone of a story. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I always thought that that was just kind of, it was kind of a, like an interesting, like amalgamation of, of what they're trying to do. But, uh, there's some really great and, and gorgeous, uh, you know, kind of, kind of scenery and things here as they're moving, you know, throughout, uh, you know kind of this place into the temple and you know out of the temple into like that rope bridge and stuff there's some stuff that looks absolutely great so i really like kind of the way that they did like the set design like underneath where like this this uh cult uh in the mine kind of thing is i always thought that that looked really cool um you know with like the skull and the little glowing stones in it and uh you know all this kind of kind of fire and stuff going on i always thought that it looked really cool so um i don't know that's uh indiana jones and the temple of temple of doom uh if you're if you're worried later when we talk about a refrigerator uh surviving uh nuclear blast don't worry because in this one we had uh, a river raft just uh you know tossed out of an airplane you can ride that down uh safe and sound so see indiana jones has always been uh doing things in a not very conventional way and living to tell about it but uh, we're going back to the roots a little bit here for our third installment uh cassia now growing up this was always my favorite of the indiana jones films uh, i think it holds a pretty dear place in a lot of people's hearts um it's a father-son story which is nice it's a very fun adventure we get to meet young indiana jones in this one but it is indiana jones and the last crusade uh coming from 1989 rated pg-13 uh this one in 1938 after his father goes missing while pursuing the holy grail indiana jones finds himself up against the nazis again to stop them from obtaining its powers so the nazis didn't learn their lesson the first time around apparently uh still going after these uh biblical artifacts and on their way to find the holy grail so uh we get this one started off with young indiana jones so cassie let's start there young indiana jones what do you think about this first uh section here with uh, river phoenix portraying young indy i loved the young indiana jones intro uh some people are like it slows the film down i'm like it's fun so it's okay have (laughs) fun that's false it is fun yeah i think it's like a good intro too we see him crack the whip for the first time and he gets his harrison ford-esque scar you know and like we kind of see the allure of like the the hat you know uh which is like a part of the iconic indiana jones silhouette you know um Mm -hmm. and river phoenix was an incredible actor rest in peace and he was just so talented and the there's some downsides to the uh entertainment industry and uh, sometimes it chews you up and spits you out you know so I'm just sad we 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 lost him, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked the the first section here. Um, you mentioned it, Cassia. Yeah, it's basically where Indiana Jones. Uh, becomes all the things that indiana jones is right gets his hat gets his whip uh gets his scar gets his fear of snakes all this stuff happens like in this first uh 10 seconds and then he gets home and uh his dad doesn't want to hear anything about it right he just tells him to uh count to 10 uh in greek before he's going to going to deal with them and that gets us started on our story here so uh indiana jones and the last crusade it was uh nominated for three academy awards it won one uh, it was nominated for best sound and best music original score uh, and it won Best Sound Effects Editing, again, for Ben Burt. So, uh, yeah, the sound effects are a recurring theme in Indiana Jones and Lucasfilm 
properties all all in all but uh like i said this was always kind of my favorite one and i think when we talk about corbon and we talk about it as a treasure hunt i think this is really what i always have in my back of my mind right uh, he's got that little notebook that he keeps kind of going through and looking at puzzles it's very uh you know very inspirational to something like the uh uncharted uh nathan drake games where you've got your little your little uh notebook in your pocket you keep pulling out trying to solve these puzzles and uh you know get these clues and things and you know that's where where this is coming from and i always i always really like that you know pulling out this little thing and you know piecing together some some little puzzle to move on to your next step to find your buried treasure so to speak so uh, and this one is is really great it has some really fun uh kind of locales that we visit we go to venice um there and we go um underneath of this uh library uh and uh this uh this movie right we've done snakes we've done insects this time we're doing rats or mice rats. uh uh that's uh that's not great that's not great but uh indiana jones escapes uh, again of course uh this time as i mentioned we've got you know marcus brody and sala are back you know from raiders of the lost ark uh they're back but this time we're introduced uh to dad to uh papa jones uh sean connery playing professor henry jones so it's come very much full circle right if uh sean connery and james bond were the inspiration for indiana jones it would make sense that james bond is literally indiana jones's dad right yeah my my indie watch collided with my bond watch from this year so we had harrison ford and sean connery in one movie and they make a, a fun combo uh with a great dynamic like if if people had been casted differently like some of the lines could be annoying but like Connery nails it and it was nice to see him play a brainy nerd kind of something different than his James Bond uh character and persona you know and um Alison Duty is a is a great cast too uh I believe she was 19 when they filmed this and I'm like whoa like <laughs> just yep. to be able to to nail uh an accent and act and like be in like a, a huge blockbuster and maybe they shouldn't have done a romance with her and her father because like just the age gaps are even with her and Harrison Ford are, are really big but uh she she did a great job yeah, she's really good. She's a very interesting uh character obviously, you know, as this uh scientist that's working for um you know, the Nazi regime and trying to recover uh this, you know, the the cup of christ right the um here this uh the holy grail that they're going after um but you know she kind of has her own motivations which i think is interesting and um you know she's very much a character and she does a really good job of you know kind of, kind of playing this um you know almost not necessarily like a double agent right but you know having having a little bit more depth other than she's just this evil person trying to get this thing for uh world domination and i always thought that that was that was kind of interesting um i really like kind of the interactions between uh you know professor uh jones and then uh marcus brody especially on the kind of chase scene and they get captured and they're in this tank together and that's always kind of fun and jokey and then of course getting sala back is is really great but yeah i was i always really like this one like i said kind of because it's kind of this this treasure hunt kind of thing and then you know it really gets into this kind of fun um you know more like intimate like bonding story between you know a, a father and a son going through and you know trying to see kind of the world through each other's eyes right you have indiana jones who's following kind of in the footsteps of his father um in the pursuit of this holy grail and now you have uh professor uh henry jones who's kind of living this more you know crazy uh you know 
adventure type of uh, archaeology that uh, you know Indiana Jones has been uh, living. So they're seeing kind of the world through each other's eyes, and I always thought that that was that was really fun and really great. And I think kind of the the on screen chemistry of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, um, I thought was always you know really well done. Obviously, you know, kind of you know kind of top of their their craft of acting, but I thought that they played off of each other uh, really well and were a believable kind of father son pairing in this film. Yeah, and I think, like, part of me is kind of like, is this a 7 out of 10 film? Uh, I'm like, it's it's a good one. Maybe, I think there's, like, six chases in it. I'm like, maybe it's one or two too many, but, like, nostalgia for me, I'm like, this is an 8 out of 10 film. Deal with it, Cassia. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just fun. You can kind of see, the, like, I think, like, where Lucas and Spielberg would eventually go, you kind of have, like, a young Indiana Jones, and uh, Lucas was like, I'm going to make a young Indiana Jones TV show, you know, which is on Disney+. Plus. Sometimes it's difficult to find it, but watch it as soon as possible. I kind of wonder how long it'll be there, but you can also see, like, Spielberg, um, kind of like the the scenes in Germany, like... I think he kind of had the beginnings of Schindler's List on his mind. Yeah, that very well could be. Um, you know, this was in into the late '80s for sure, so um, that would make sense, kind of from from a, a timing perspective. You know, obviously, um, you know, probably at least in their minds, I would think that um, you know you're telling the story. You've literally you've named it the Last Crusade, and the final shots is uh, Indiana Jones riding off into the sunset. So you have to think, you know, at least on some level. Um, that this was going to be the end. I th- I think um, that they had had kind of this deal to do, uh, you know, four or five films with with Paramount for these characters. But I I would have to think, um, you know, between the between the name and that final shots and uh, kind of the way that this wrapped up, that this was, you know, probably in their heads at least in you know 1989 when this came out. You know, going to be kind of the final ride uh, for these characters. And if you uh, do any like reading or like digging into you know indiana jones 4 that was kind of the case um you know there were always always these kind of scripts being written for an indiana jones 4 and uh some of them are like absolutely insane you can uh google those and and go and uh, read them and they're a lot even crazier than uh what we ended up getting with uh kingdom of the crystal skull here which we'll talk about in a second but um i i think that you know it was always kind of the potential for to carry on but i think that they probably felt like this was you know more or less wrapped up until you know fast forward about 20 years when you know kind of you know spielberg and lucas and harrison ford are you know getting together saying yeah you know that might be kind of fun to go back and revisit that world but but what do you think do you think am am i right kind of in my thinking that uh there was probably some thoughts that this was it for for indiana jones well monty python and the holy grail took the title the holy grail so they can call it indiana jones and the holy grail uh but i'm kind of just kidding there but um <laughs> maybe blockbusters are hard to pull off sometimes there are a lot of work and like directing writing and acting in them they're they're huge like everyone has to be on the top of their game so maybe it was kind of planned to just to be like Maybe they said four or five, but then they're like, let's just do three. Three is a good number. But I kind of wish, like, the Indiana Jones series would have been, like, maybe every few years or so you get a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just would have been fun. And I kind of think, like, 
looking back on it, um, I think I watched um, Indiana Jones uh, for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull two or three times when it came out. Um, but like rewatching it now, I don't think it's bad. I just think like it needed a few films between it um, because Last Crusade was like a father son film, and then Four was a little bit of a father son film. But maybe mm. maybe that's jumping too far ahead. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible, and you know maybe there need to be some. And it's interesting to think about. Um... You know, just to to step back from from these films for a second, you have you know Harrison Ford who's playing Indiana Jones, and you know obviously we talk a lot about Star Wars, and you know it's it's very it's fairly well documented that uh, Harrison Ford could not care less about Han Solo, about Star Wars, <laughs> about any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but from everything that I've ever read or seen or heard uh, from Harrison Ford is that he's really protective of Indiana Jones. So there is apparently something about this character that really, you know, he can identify himself in and it feels really attached to and i think that that's that's kind of neat i guess you know that you know someone would hold on to something uh so endearingly i guess especially when you you know think of you know harrison ford as this uh you know more of a curmudgeonly uh guy right who you know doesn't want to be bothered by anything that's going to bother him that you know he would you know be really in love with this character and want to you know keep bringing it back to life you know over the course of uh you know 44 years so yeah, I mean, that kind of comforts me because if any studio were to try to um, make an Indiana Jones movie using AI, I think, like, Harrison Ford would come back to haunt them and, like, <laughs> literally haunt them and be like, you're not doing it, it's me, I'm gone, you're not going to make an Indiana Jones. Like, I could see that happening, you know, Um but, um, yeah, like, he, he it, it is kind of funny because I see so many similarities, like, between Indiana Jones and Han Solo, but, yeah, Harrison Ford, like, loves, loves Indiana Jones, like, does not care about Han Solo, and, like, good for him, because I don't think Han Solo would care about Han Solo that much. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair observation. That's true. That's true. But I do think Indiana Jones would care about Indiana Jones. So maybe maybe we're yeah. onto something, onto something there. So uh, that is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty great ending to this uh, kind of trilogy that we got here um, up through uh, 1989. And then we're going to have to take a bit of a layoff if we want to keep going with our Indiana Jones stories. Like I'd said, there were a bunch of kind of story scripts and story outlines and uh, things like that written over the course of the next, I don't know, close to 20 years, more or less, um, until finally one day they announced that we're getting a new Indiana Jones. Uh, it's called Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think there was a, a big debate, or they took a long time to reveal what the title of this was going to be. Um, and then, you know, kind of was uh, all over the place in terms of what is this going to be? What's it? <laughs> what, is, what is a crystal skull? What does that mean? Uh, and eventually we're going to find out in 2008, uh, right at PG-13. Uh, this says, in 1957, Indiana Jones becomes entangled in a Soviet plot to uncover the secret behind mysterious artifacts known as the Crystal Skulls. Uh, Cassia, this was not nominated for any Academy Awards, uh, therefore it did not win any Academy Awards. Uh, there's a fun little interesting tidbit, though. Uh, we're introduced to a new villain in this. Uh, 
uh, by the name of Arena Spalco, played by Kate Blanchett. She was nominated for uh, two Academy Awards that same year, uh, so that's kind of fun. She was nominated for uh, Best uh, Actress in a Supporting Role and Best Leading Actress, so I think that that's a fun little tidbit that she got two Oscar nominations and then was also in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. A lot of people like to dog on this movie, uh, Cassia, and uh, is is that just or not? I don't know. I don't know for sure. Uh, but what I do know for sure is that uh, this was the second highest grossing film of 2008. So people apparently either uh, were not being completely honest with how much they didn't like it because they were going back to see it a bunch of times. Uh, yeah. Did you see this in the movie theater in 2008? Fun story. Uh, back in the day, uh, midnight movies were a thing, and... My high school rented out a theater, so I bought a ticket and saw it at midnight, opening night. And it was just fun. Uh, and some people got I Love New York shirts and added like a I and a D on it. So it's like I love indie, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was I thought it was a, a fine movie. Like, is it up there with the original three? In my mind, no, but like revisiting it, um, I was very impressed with the film's direction, cinematography, casting. People dog on Shia LaBeouf, but he looks exactly like a son of like Harrison Ford, I think. <laughs> Uh, he does look like a son of uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, and that's who he's playing in this, right? He's playing Mutt uh, Williams, uh, the uh, son of Indiana Jones. Uh, we get uh, Karen Allen is back to reprise her role as Marion Ravenwood. Um, I mentioned Kate Blanchett, but we've also got John Hurt uh, playing Professor Oxley and Ray Winstone yeah. uh, playing uh, Mac, who is like a secret double, triple, quadruple agent uh, through this thing. Uh, which is which is kind of fun, kind of fun. Um, now there's there's a couple of things. Let's go ahead and we'll get these uh, out of the way. Uh, there's a couple of things that people always seem to point to when they say that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, isn't that good. Uh, they point to the scene that uh, there is uh, an atomic bomb that's going off, and Indiana Jones hides himself in a lead-lined refrigerator and survives the blast. They point to that. Uh, they point to uh, Mutt swinging through the vines of this uh, jungle uh, with a bunch of monkeys. Uh, they always say point to that and say that that's not good. And then, uh, of course, they'll point to the aliens um, and stuff and say that that's not good. I will say that those three things are pretty fine. I don't really have that big of a problem with them. I do have one kind of big problem with this movie, uh, and that uh, they go into some quicksand uh, Marion and Indiana Jones, they get stuck there. Uh, and they're trying to pull them out. Uh, Mutt throws them a snake, which is done, you know, largely for uh, comedic benefit, right? Because Indiana Jones uh, hates snakes. But they end up dragging him out of this quicksand with a snake. And that's not how snakes work. Uh, so It would <laughs> kill the snake and it would probably <laughs> bite him. So I did think that was a little over the top. Like, uh, but, but yeah, like, the refrigerator, like, you can actually, uh, if it's a lead line refrigerator, they used to make things to last, and uh, he wouldn't survive like being thrown, but possibly he could have, like in a movie, you know, survived in that lead line refrigerator. And I kind of just look at this as like the earlier films were inspired by 30s and 40s uh, film serials, and stuff with cliffhanger endings and this one's uh vibing with the 50s b-movie style you know and that's why there's uh 
the the red scare in this that's why there's russians and like after schindler's list i think like spielberg is like i'm not gonna like make nazis like silly like that ever again and i think like the problems i kind of have like most like pretty much the whole main cast was white you know like Mm -hmm. indie one through three weren't perfect in that respect but they incorporated more people like characters from different backgrounds um and it's not a great look when uh movies kind of use the mayans incas and aztecs interchangeably and kind of shows like ancient aliens helped indigenous people build an empire you know like right. like yeah. oh that's not great um and i'm not against aliens in an indiana jones movie i mean like we literally saw like the ark of the covenant we saw someone get their heart ripped out of their chest literally um mm-hmm. and the holy grail in a super old night like I think, like, just maybe some people didn't quite get the memo that this movie was inspired by 50s B-movies, you know? And that's why I kind of think, like, more Indiana Jones films, like, where they kind of played with, like, the war years and, like, the early 50s a little bit more would have helped, but... um, Right, yeah, yeah. I do have to say I will miss Lucas and uh, Spielberg, like... I know they're executive producers, but I will miss Spielberg's direction because just rewatching this series, like uh, some shots in Raiders, like there are seven shots in a couple of seconds and like they're all paced uh, and uh, executed so great. Like it establishes the character uh, so well, like when in those first few minutes of Raiders, you know, like. I just, ha- I haven't seen Logan. I was going to save it until after I saw Indiana Jones 5. But uh, I just wonder, like, will I feel kind of like a little less of a presence of Spielberg and Lucas in 5? Yeah, I mean, it's hard It's hard to say. Um, I know that Lucas here in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wrote kind of the the story outline for it um there were a bunch of people that came in that that helped write the actual uh script but i i believe that the only script that he wrote was the the raider script if i'm not uh, incorrect and i think even on that one uh, uh lawrence Kasdan came in and uh wrote the bulk of the actual script of that um it's it's hard to say i mean being you know executive producers on there is this a story that you know lucas had previously had um and you know you have to think too that um you know, not only are they uh, going to be on hands as executive producer, uh, someone else who is on hand for all of the other Indiana Jones films is going to be there as well. Kathleen Kennedy, who uh, was on as a production assistant for Spielberg on uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and then served as a producer uh, for the rest of the film franchise. So, um, I mean, it definitely has, you know, kind of the, the ingredients of the original ones. But, uh, you know, um, obviously I I think it's safe to say probably that George Lucas doesn't really have, you know, too much interest in spending lots of hours and days uh, of, you know, doing these and telling these stories of, of places yeah. that he's been in. And it's it's hard to say, you know, even with the, 
with Spielberg, you know, kind of what he has on his plate. You know, obviously we saw uh, the Fablemans uh, last year. Is he going to start getting a little choosier with, you know, how he's spending his time uh, now as well and, you know, what projects he wants to direct? Um, and I think that we're in good hands with uh, James Mangold. Uh, Logan is excellent, um, was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and then uh, directed a uh, nominee for Best Picture of the Year in Ford versus Ferrari, uh, which is a very excellent film and edited uh, very excellently and uh, Ford versus Ferrari seems like a film that George Lucas would like um, there with the yeah. uh, race race cars so um, so I don't know I I'm I have high hopes for it um, I know kind of the initial kind of critical review is a little a little spotty here for uh, Dial of Destiny um, which is hard to say because I think there were like 12 reviews that came out like three minutes after the screening ended <laughs> at Cannes, and that's where that first number came from. Um, it's it's bumped back up now that the actual premiere has happened and more people are getting uh, the chance to see it, and then obviously it opens up here in just a couple of days uh, from the time of our recording, but um, I've got pretty high hopes for it. Um, yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, we went through that uh, a little quick. Let's go back to that here uh, before we wrap up. Um, yeah, there are some things about this that I really like. I really like kind of the, the character interactions, especially you know, kind of in, in dealing with this this time, right, and and talking about kind of like this uh, this Cold War uh, type of stuff, more or less. You get some, you know, kind of good stuff at the at the college between Indiana and the dean, uh, Dean Charles Stanford, who's played by uh, Jim Broadbent. I liked that. Um, I liked the way that um, this movie looked, by and large. Um, there were there were a couple things um, that that didn't look quite as good, but I really liked the way that it was it was shot. It almost felt kind of like this smaller like theatrical production in a way like when they're mm -hmm. going through like like the graves and stuff like that like like that felt like very small and intimate which seemed kind of like this 1950s b movie would have been and um even like some of like the you know like the aliens are invading you know type of movies there's a lot of stuff that is shot like that um and when you're talking about like indiana jones and uh like the russians standing there just the way that it's framed and and looks i think looks pretty interesting and and pretty fun and i think that that kind of gets lost in the shuffle right these were always kind of meant to be you know kind of adventure like almost like big budget riffs on b-movies basically uh more or less um and i think that that kind of got lost and part of that like you said cassia is the you know kind of length you know in time between because you know when you think back to something when you were you know in my case eight years old you know by the time i'm you know 28 years old that that's a lot of time to have passed and be like well you know i felt this way about it the last time i saw it but you know that was two decades ago you know am i going to feel the same way about it i've had a lot of life experience in that time so i think that that kind of the time worked against this and having the final installment i think that's going to work against it as well i think you know when dial of destiny comes back people will be able to kind of soften soften the blow of kingdom of the crystal skull because it won't be the last indiana jones movie we'll have we'll have a new last indiana jones movie to uh you know to decipher and decide if we like or not so yeah, like I think like the Indiana Jones films like they're pretty solid. They're pretty entertaining. It's a good series to watch uh on your own or with friends or with family and I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a little different than Star Wars, but it's Star Wars adjacent if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You can definitely um see kind of the imprint that the Star Wars and that storytelling had on this 
and you know vice versa and kind of the other genres that it inspired and what it pulled from uh you know we'd mentioned james bond several times but you know it kind of kind of set the tone for what action adventure movies you know could be in terms of storytelling and pacing and stuff like that and that's why it's you know kind of so revered as this uh as this film property and you know character uh that we've all grown to love over the last 40 years and uh just a couple of days we're going to get a whole nother um installment of it and uh be able to see what indiana jones is up to next all right kotor moment here okay so before bastila joins the jedi she kind of remembered her father who was an archaeologist what if in an adaptation her dad was actually kind of looking for these star maps and like he's literally we find his skeleton you know like next to one of these star maps you know it's like maybe Bastila mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shan like even if she hadn't joined the Jedi like this was always going to be her destiny the star map you know and uh, just a dream TV spot you know in my head uh, for an adaptation that will never happen but just imagine like Bastila is reunited with her mom and like her mom is like we didn't want you to have a dangerous life taking risks and then it like shows like Bastila having to fight like Sith troopers and like all this stuff and like and then her mom could continue and be like and looking for treasure and like that's literally what she's doing looking for these star maps and it's like yeah the the Jedi are like we we meditate and do all this stuff like it's, it's not like that don't worry and then and then like some of her companions are just like that's literally what we do for a living and i just think it'd be funny so <laughs> that would be amazing yeah that would be that would be an excellent crossover um i like that i like thinking that uh that marion and indiana are bastila's parents now yeah that's, why not that's a that's kind of my new uh headcanon uh yeah for sure i mean we've got this dial of destiny we don't know uh what all sort of powers that has you know obviously uh, or visited by uh, beings from another uh, another galaxy far, far away, potentially, um, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So uh, that makes sense. It could be. Or maybe Arena Spalco is Bastila's mom. Or maybe Arena Spalco is Kreia uh, <gasps> in KOTOR 2. Is that possible? Kate Blanchett could play Kreia. I'm okay with that. Let's do that. I mean, isn't there a character in Star Wars Rebels who, like, looks identical to Irina Spelko? But uh, there is, yeah. I, I forget the name. name. Sorry, <laughs> super fans. But um, Helena is the name of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character in Dial of Destiny. And Bastila's mom is named Helena. So, therefore, KOTOR is 100% canon <laughs> because those two facts are linked that's undeniably. right 139% yeah, canon now for sure um and 139% is how excited I am for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny um yeah. so that's coming out in a couple of days Cassie is going to see it before I get to um so hopefully I'm I'll gonna spoil like, it I'm gonna I'm gonna mute her I think like on her <laughs> text messages so she doesn't spoil it for me um now I'm seeing it just a couple of days after that and uh, definitely looking forward to it and looking forward to talking about it uh we'll probably like I said do that over on our patreon it's patreon.com slash old republic podcast uh, you can go there and check out some behind the scenes stuff we've got for uh, 
the Bastila audio drama and other uh, kind of bonus episodes and uh, art and stuff like that that we've commissioned uh, throughout the course of the podcast. You can go check that out. It's a great way to support us and get some more info. And yeah, we'll be talking about it over there. And I'm excited to see what you think about it. I'm excited to see what I think about it. And I'm excited to hear what all the listeners think about it. So uh, drop us a line and let us know uh, what you think about Indiana Jones, what your favorite installment is, and uh, what you thought about Dial of Destiny after you've had a chance to see it. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. The Older Public Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at Dennis S. Mowers Music.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.